evidence and answers. Wall Street. At times it appears overwhelming. How should a Christian invest? How can we do it wisely? And who do we talk to? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on Evidence and Answers, Pat will interview Mark Okada of our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management. Mark has many years of experience as a financial advisor and will share his heart and from his personal journey. If you're unable to hear this entire broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Let's listen now as Pat Zucran interviews Mark Okada in part two of Can Christians Succeed on Wall Street Without Losing Their Soul? The call or the, the charge that we all have if we want to be successful in life. And so, but certainly it, I, I would admit that in the business world or in dealing with Wall Street and especially with money, at times that can be quite a challenge to be successful like that. Yeah, Mark, when people think of Wall Street, you know that famous line from the movie Wall Street where Gordon Gecko, played by Michael Douglas, you know, said that famous line, greed is good. And many feel this tends to summarize the moral state of your business. So, you know, as a Christian, then wouldn't it be difficult to maintain your Christian principles on Wall Street? Well, I, I think anytime you are dealing with money, there are going to be pitfalls and there's ample reasons for concern. I think Psalms 49 is a great psalm that, you know, I should read every day, but it really is a great reminder of the pitfalls of trusting in money and wealth and having an attitude like Gordon Gecko that greed would be good. It certainly isn't. But I would tell you that I've been doing this for over 30 years now, and I think that there are ample ways that Christians can be a vibrant source of service in this business. I think there is a great calling for Christians to be on Wall Street and a huge opportunity, I really think. You know, if we go back to that passage in Luke, there is a need, I think, in our business for humility, stewardship, hard work, excellence, certainly this idea of serving others. And, you know, when you talk about denying yourself and taking up your cross daily and losing your life for God, those are all the principles that I think Christians can apply within this industry to really make a difference for the Lord and for the kingdom. Yeah, Mark, you mentioned some pitfalls there. What are some common pitfalls that people in your industry tend to fall into? I can't speak to everyone else, but I can sure tell you about a lot of the mistakes that I've made personally over the years. And I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is, is really about my ego. Ego, is, it tells you that you're right and the market's wrong. Ego tells you that when things aren't fair, it's because of somebody else. Ego tells you that, that you're smarter than everyone else. I think ego is really the enemy of investing in general, but you know, Romans 12.3 says that, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. I think the challenge, especially when the business grows and you're doing more and more things, you end up you know, on TV or dealing with a lot of capital, is to lose sight of that sober judgment. And that certainly happened to me. I, I think subtly over time, I equate it to be a little bit like that frog in the hot water. And over time, you, you just kind of lose sight of the difference between loving God and the difference between loving serving God. That's very subtle over time, but you know, we have to keep God first. Ego 
certainly something that is not reflective of that reality of having our identity in Christ and having that be our sole source of, of what we're doing, as opposed to all these other things that get caught up in success in, in, in this industry. Yeah, Mark, I would also think that compromise is also easy. You know, I've been tempted, people who were willing to give me tens of thousands of dollars, if I would not speak out against homosexuality or if I would endorse an organization that had principles I did not agree with and things like it, it was quite a temptation. But that's only, you know, in the thousands. You guys deal in the millions. And I would think compromise is quite temptation there, isn't it? I think compromise could be a temptation if you have the wrong sort of mindset about what you're doing in this industry and what your goal is. If your goal is making money, then certainly that idea of compromise comes into play. And so I I think it comes back to really, you know, what business principles you take from the Bible to apply to whatever industry you're in. These principles, I I think that, that I try to live by and that I've learned from the Bible are, are really applicable to anybody. But it comes down to this idea of trust within your business and how do you create trust across what you're doing and how do you, do you continue to build that trust with yourself, with your employees, with your clients, with the society at large and, and understanding what your company is all about. That dynamic of trust for me is really what the goal is success. So if I've been successful in creating trust with the people that I, you know, my family or the, the people I, I meet or the people whose life savings they've entrusted to our firm, I really see that as, as more of the goal. And so if that really is the goal, there, there are some very important building blocks of trust that would not be congruent with the idea of compromise. Yeah, Mark, let's talk about that a little bit. Trust, you say, is key in business. Now, why is that so critical and how do we build that kind of trust? One of my favorite, favorite business books is by Stephen Covey. It's called The Speed of Trust. And I I would recommend it to all of your listeners. But what the book talks about is how when you have trust in an organization, um, you become incredibly efficient. It really reduces the amount of friction within your company to make decisions, to be able to move within the markets. The difference between trust and mistrust is usually confidence versus suspicion. And we've certainly seen a lot of this in the markets and certainly in the crisis and the post-crisis. But suspicion and companies that lack trust tend to have their, their dysfunctional environment. They have a toxic culture There's a lot of micromanagement, hierarchy. They tend to be negatively incentivized in their systems by punishing people with downside. There's high conflict and inefficiency. And if you contrast that with high confidence uh, companies, they tend to have transparency, alignment. There's tolerance. There's collaboration, creativity, joy. These are all, I think, biblical principles and things that are identified in, in the Christian life. But it comes down to trust and when we talk about trust, I think some people, the misconception is that you'll either have it or not, but trust is really a, a process that involves three basic building blocks. One is character or integrity. The other is competency, you know, our gifting. And the last would be alignment. For example, if you are a working honest person, that's always a good thing. But if you're not very good at anything, you lack competency, then people really aren't going to trust you with things. If you're a hardworking person and you're a, let's say you're a doctor who's an 
excellent at, let's say, cardiology. If you had a foot problem, you wouldn't go to that doctor because he's not aligned with what your needs are. So those three things of character, of competency and alignment uh, of interest are critical building blocks of trust. And you know, one of the things that I try to think about is how am I building each of those three things with the people that I deal with on a daily basis, with my family, with myself, with the Lord, and then you know, culturally and certainly corporately. And when you find companies that are all about that, I, I think they, they have a massive competitive advantage in the marketplace. They tend to make decisions much quicker. They tend to be much more efficient at identifying both success and failure. And one of the great studies that I saw about investing in general is, and they looked at all the factors that, that really identify a manager's ability to consistently do better than the market. And it came down to one factor, Pat, and that is, what do you do with your losses? So if a manager, an investment manager, sells their losses or admits where they're wrong faster than in a quick way, I mean, deals with their losses and their mistakes quicker, they tend to outperform the market. And that factor is a greater factor than everything else, being being smarter, being a better trader, all those things. It's really this idea of humility (laughs) and being honest with yourself and not having that ego, which creates and the ability to have you know, some sort of transparency around that, that inures to a lot of success in, in the investment world. So I, I think there's, there's all sorts of competitive advantages that Christians can have in our business and then and thrive in them. But trust is certainly a, a critical part of it. Wow. You know, Mark, that goes contrary to what a lot of students in business schools learn and what's portrayed out there in the popular media. That's certainly true. I think for me, though, that really is kind of what the opportunity is where, you know, we're called to be light in the darkness and our, let's face it, our, our business is full of darkness. There is a, a driving force of scarcity within the markets that really is not the reality for Christians, right? Hebrews 13, five says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So the reality for Christians is that we have everything we could ever need or want, that God has already provided for all of our needs. We're going to heaven. Between now and then, we're going to be running around in this world of scarcity. And that scarcity, certainly when it comes to money, can be very dark. But when it's very dark, right, even a small light can be very impactful for people. So I really see this as instead of something to be fearful of or run away from, I I see it as a great opportunity. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point. I mean, in a small illustration here, you know, I was trying to pick between two financial managers and one guy sounded great, you know, and he had a great track record. But when I was asking him questions, he seemed to dodge me a little bit. And the more I started to probe, you know, the more he just seemed to be a little uncomfortable and wasn't exactly shooting straight with me. The second guy, his record was not as impressive, but he shot straight with me and he answered my questions clearly, even if he didn't like the answer. And so though he cost a little more, I knew I could trust this guy. And so I went with him. So what you're talking about, trust there is absolutely critical. And that's built by what you said, integrity, competence and alignment. Sure. And imagine if that person had all three of them had, and had a track record to, to go with it. Think of what a great opportunity that entity or that business would have of serving your needs 
in helping you with your savings and your retirement. Well, Mark, you know, it said that fear and greed drive the market. Is this true? And is there anything different about how the Christians should approach the marketplace? It's absolutely true. I mean, when, you, when you're dealing with scarcity, if scarcity tells you that there's not enough of something, and that is the reality that, that this world is facing. There's not enough time. We are fading away. So that, that is the reality. And when we have scarcity, it tends to be reflected in prices. If there's only a certain amount of stock and, and everybody wants it, it's going up. If there's too much of it, it's going down. So scarcity and fear and greed are absolutely parts of this market. I think from the Christian perspective, if we go back to this idea of competency, what I find to be interesting and applicable here is fear and greed are emotions. And so much of that emotional impact can be incredibly powerful with people's capital. But it tends to be short-term in nature. It, it tends to not last for a time. And what happens is when we have these bouts of fear and greed, the markets will tend to come back to what fundamentals would dictate over time as that fear dissipates or that greed dissipates. And we can look back and look at thousands of examples over the market's history of times when fear is either overtaking it or greed is overtaking it. And seeing this idea of mean reversion or the market coming back to fundamentals over time, and I think that a Christian should be able to recognize at times when the market is overly fearful or overly greedy and therefore position capital wisely based on fundamentals. And we can just think back of you know, instances in the crisis, instances with the dot-com bubble, instances with even in my world, the IO market well, over the last couple of years, at the end of 2015 and beginning of 2016, there was a lot of fear in the market for high bonds. We had you know market illuminaries like Carl Icahn telling people that junk bonds were the ticking time bomb that was going to go off and destroy the U.S. economy. I took a look at all the fear that was in the market at the time, or our firm did, and it just didn't match up with the reality of the fundamentals we were seeing. And so if you stepped in and, and were buying and adding exposure when everyone was fearful, you turned around and in 2016, you had a 20, 30% return in that market. And it's a, it's a small example, but but I, I think that there is an opportunity to be more fundamental, to be more disciplined around facts and evidence versus emotion. And it works the other way, too. I mean, when, when everybody's too greedy and you, you get caught up in that, you can lose a lot of capital that way. So, so there is this fear and greed dynamic is real. But I think it creates an opportunity for well-disciplined, competent you know, managers, people that are, you know, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord and not human masters. I think applying that within the context of fear and greed is, is actually a competitive advantage. Well, Mark, you know, in running your business, then what is the measure of success? For many, you know, profit is the bottom line. But for a Christian guy in business, what is the measure of success? Well, Proverbs eleven eighteen says, a wicked person earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness that reaps a sure reward. And I think that if your focus is on profits, that can be very deceptive wages. And that sure reward, I think for me, and I, I spoke about it a little earlier, is this idea that if we are applying biblical principles to what we do and creating trust with those people that we interact with, I think that that really kind of, from a business standpoint, right, it ultimately 
it's going to that creates a bottom line that people will trust in the Lord because that is the bottom line for all of us, right? I mean, I don't like the term business as missions. I, I, I like I like the term business is missions. I think we're all called to be ambassadors for Christ and. Ultimately, I think trust is a great way for us to be able to spread the gospel and to share with people why we do what we do, why we are different versus the other people that we see. So again, I I think that that really is the bottom line for all businesses, but hopefully, you know, that's why God has me doing what I'm doing here at Highland Capital. Yeah, you know, if people trust you with their money or the business they're hiring you for, and you're excellent at that... Man, imagine the platform you have now to share about the gospel and things that are important in your life. That's, yeah. that's a great ministry you're talking about. But I would tell you that it's not all it's cracked up to be. I mean, I'm a very broken and uh, sinful man, so I certainly have my share of letting people down in that goal. But I believe that God is, is a God of grace and that he's also in control. So um, we'll keep at it. That. Well, you talk a lot about integrity and character being key in business. Because uh, as you've learned and as I've seen, dishonesty eventually catches up to you. You know, if you're messing with the books or if you're promising things that you cannot deliver on or stating things about, you know, the things your company can do, but in reality, they really can't. I mean, eventually it catches up to you, doesn't Mm, it? Absolutely. And you've seen how people with shady character may thrive in the limelight for a little while, but eventually it catches up to them. You could name probably a dozen examples right off the top of your head, couldn't you? Let me get a little more real with the comment. I mean, I've made so many mistakes over the years. And I think in the crisis, in the the Lehman crisis, I went through a very difficult period personally. It wasn't because I was cheating people, but it's because I made some very bad calls. You know, we lost a lot of money for our investors and really looked very incompetent. In my defense, I, th- I think over the long run, we've, we've recovered and done very well. Or, but in those times, I, I was questioning a lot of, you know, my theology or my belief in what I was doing. And I think what God really did in that period for me was really help me understand that over time, the success that I had experience in the form of you know, commercial success and the growth of the business, you know, the growth of our the track record really became an idol for me. I uh, kind of slipped into this world where I really loved serving God as opposed to loving God himself. And seeing that was very hard to see. This is a, a blind spot that I think a lot of successful people will struggle with because it's hard for external outsiders to see it, right? You, you may be doing a lot of great things for the Lord, donating to this and, and doing this and that, and thinking that, you know, you're, you're doing good and, and, and that's wonderful. But the motivation, and it's intoxicating that, that doing good, and, and it becomes an idol. And that certainly happened to me, Pat. And in the crisis that ensued after the, the Lehman bankruptcy, I really learned that hard lesson. And it's been a struggle ever since then. I mean, how do you know the difference between whether you are loving God first and whether you have fallen in love again with the success of being good or serving him? And I think it really is a daily struggle for me. And so instead of speaking of the bad characters in our industry, I'll point the finger right at myself. There is always going to be a temptation in me to to serve the idol of being good or doing good versus really loving the one who, who is good. 
Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, Mark. I mean, how do you keep from corrupting your soul in the culture of Wall Street, where you're dealing with some very powerful people and some powerful forces and lots of capital and income there? How do you keep from corrupting your soul? Well, I think it's the same as for everyone. You know, we have to be in prayer and, and in the Word daily. I'm very blessed by having a, a wonderful wife who I've known since I was eight, and she keeps me honest. She loves the Lord, and I have a great family, and my kids keep me humble and remind me that I'm, I'm not that special. But then, I mean, it's people like you, Pat. It's just having great friends, a church family. I, I do have an accountability group I meet with every week. Those become... These are basic Christian principles, but, but I think it becomes even more and more important as we enter into some of these arenas where our lives are very visible and the activity and the decisions we make impact a lot of people. It becomes a very slippery slope, again, to fall into that, that ego-driven sort of world. And so I don't know if I do it very well. There are certainly times when, when I'm not in the word enough or praying enough, you know, by the grace of God and the love of those just around me. I, I just, it's my hope that and God would forgive me when I fall and help me to see that, you know, on a daily basis. That's what, that's what, you know, you, you got to deny yourself and take up your cross daily back to the, the first passion that we looked at in Luke. Well, Mark, you know, as we bring this segment of the show to an end, as we close, what are some words of advice you could give to some young people who are looking to go into the world of Wall Street and the marketplace? I think this idea of trust is something that every young person can build upon. There's always going to be so many things that young people don't know, and they feel inadequate, and so at times they kind of try to cover that up. But that doesn't create trust. This idea of transparency, the idea of serving others, I liken it to a simple cash phrase called makers, fakers, and takers. Young people tend to be faking it a lot because they don't know a whole lot. And that's okay. That's how we're going to learn over time. But subtly, what can happen if we go too far with that, we become a taker. We're being successful because we're taking from others. I think that being a maker is how we build trust with other people. We make things better for others. We make things better for the people that we're working with. We come in every day and we try to make what the output of our decision-making better by learning, by growing, by learning from our mistakes. That sort of mentality is really how we build trust. And it's so critical, I think, for Christians to really be a source of trust. I would tell you that you're going to mess that up a lot. There's going to be times when you lose the trust of others. Guarantee it will happen because we are all broken. But don't fall into the trap to believing that trust is either, it's just an on and off switch. Trust is a process. It's always a process. And as we, you know, we work on our character, as we work on our competency, as we think about our alignment with others, you know, that process continues to something that in business we can work on, right? In, in the markets we can work on. And even when we fail in one of those areas, right, we can recognize that. We can be honest with people about that and and hopefully, right, over time, rebuild that trust as a very, very key competitive advantage within this business. Great. You've been listening to Wise Words from Mark Okada, the co-founder and chief investment officer for Highland Capital Management and the sponsor here at Evidence and Answers. So, Mark, thanks for being here on the show Evidence and Answers. It was great to have you. Thank you, Pastor Pat. 
Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you find this broadcast to be of a great value to you, would you please consider partnering with us? Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles, additional audio, and Pat's books. So be sure to share our website with your family, your friends, and of course, your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. They've been in business for over 20 years. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope right here on Evidence and Answers. Evidence and Answers.